then eventually when they, they caught on to the fact that money could be a substitute for barter, uh, then they went into the banking business. And all ancient temples across the ancient world, be it Greece or Egypt, or in uh, the so-called Holy Land, they had the trapeze, as the Greeks called them, the big banking boys who did their banking right there in the temples. And some of the temples were actually where the, the coinage was minted. And that's the way it was with Rome. And today, most folk are so ignorant of the past that they cannot see what's coming because we're seeing history repeat itself on a grander scale. And I'll be back with more of this after these following messages. Anywhere you go has been for a long time. 
And we're playing ourselves like never before, a world of children, while our betters, you know, those people up there, take care of the big problems, including us ourselves. We're the big problem because it's not intended that we go on playing for very long and use up what they call the world's resources. And sure enough, they've trained us, you see, to, to go out and work and reward ourselves at least once a month. At least uh, that's not much once a month. Most, most folk want to do it all the time with credit cards, and they're constantly rewarding themselves for putting up with boring, depressing, repetitive jobs. And uh, Pavlovian style, sure enough, they reward themselves with buying some trivia or junk or something that's supposed to satisfy a need and make you happy for five minutes before you become fed up with it and you want to buy something else. And that's what advertising is based on, is creating dissatisfaction. And they don't have far to go because all they sell you are lies in advertising. That's what advertising is about, selling you uh, a complete fiction. But because we live in an unhappy society, a society which is stressful, a society with that very few people understand, in fact. Everyone wants to fit into something that's really artificial. That's why they kind of feel on edge all the time. It's not a natural system. It's not meant to be natural in this system. And those who run it have decided, as I say, we're using up too much of the world's resources by rewarding ourselves. And they're going to cut back on us, you know, the ones who are mentally ill, meaning the ordinary people. And... They have all the DNA, all the sciences they believe they need to recreate perfect humans to serve them better in the future. And I'm not kidding about this. They have these, uh, they call them ARCs set up. Uh, I watched a, a public broadcasting program two or three years ago on a rainy Sunday afternoon, and they had a professor on from a university in Louisiana and she was in charge of a huge center, biggest state in Louisiana uh, for cryogenics, where they had everything, the genes of every animal and insect frozen. And they had experimented in bringing them back to life, you know, bringing the male and female together and inserting them in different species even as a host carrier and giving birth quite satisfactorily to them. This is all done at higher levels. And it was the World Wildlife Society that owned this ark. They have three of them. They claim that one society worldwide. I can bet something else too about this big ark in the sky. The space station, the International Space Station, ISIS, will also be another ark. And that was foreseen a long time ago a long time ago, in the 1500s, by someone of the high mystery religion, who was not crystal gazing, as he told the public, but he knew the agenda. They knew there were unraveling sciences back then, and they knew what they could do with the wealth of the world and all the labor of the world to work towards their big idea. And it's pretty well happened. Everything we're taught about science at the bottom level, and that's from professorship down, is obsolete. Everything they tell you they're working towards is actually done and obsolete, gone. The bottom levels are still rediscovering things all the time. The 
Sally the Sheep thing was a bottom-level attempt. It had already been done. That's why it's called research. The searching was done above them long ago. And all the problems have been ironed out. Now, the only problem they have left is how to keep us all Pavlovian-style playing ourselves and enjoying ourselves like never before, like there's no tomorrow, while they pull the rug from under our feet. And that's what's happening now with the totalitarian system being set up. I wondered why in the 90s, the mid-90s, if we suddenly had all these big disaster programs, even across Canada, in little potato towns where nothing happened, and they were having disaster scenarios with these new disaster agencies and controls that they set up. They never had that during the Cold War when supposedly, supposedly, we're going to get nuked any time and any day, every week, every year, year after year. And after the Cold War, they were having all of these disaster scenarios and rehearsals. Why? It's really to do with what's scheduled to happen and is happening as a snowball starts to come down the hill and get bigger and bigger. Uh, they value the dollars as they create the new world society and pull the rug from under our feet financially and so on. It's, it's all to take care of the riots that will ensue across the world. And that's why the Department of Defense put out a 90-page report on the next 30 years of what they see coming. Now, these guys are not paid big, big money. They don't hire the best of the best in their fields to sit and guess what's going to come along. They know what's coming along. They're not telling you why there's going to be massive rioting across the planet. But what they are telling you is what they're doing to prepare for the rioting across the planet. And they foresee 30 years of it. They even have small nuclear-type bombs, to battlefield bombs, to use on the public. Now, what on earth do you think is planned that would drive the general public who are out rewarding themselves and having sex 2.5 times a week and all that kind of stuff right now? What do you think would get them away from television, from the sports and all the rest of it, and start rioting? Well, maybe it's turning off the electricity for one thing. Maybe it's by forcing them to pay four or five times as they're paying now for fuel and gasoline and electricity and all the other energies that we use. Maybe it's rationing the food. This is going to be all of these things. All of it. And believe you me, no one man is going to stop this in any country. It's not going to happen. Because you have a global elite who've planned this for a long time. And the interactions of all their associations are finally meshed together like never before. And they have been, actually, for a long time. Professor Carl Quigley talked about it, and he was in on this whole big secret. He was the official historian for the American branch, Council on Foreign Relations, of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. 
that helped plan all this, the same guys that planned and came out on national television in Canada, they planned the integration of the Americas. They drafted all of the integration scenarios up for them to sign all the forms that they sign agreements and treaties for presidents to sign. They boasted about it on national television, CBC Canada. A private non-governmental organization drafted the, the treaties up. And you still think you live in a democracy. And the moon's a, a balloon, as David Niven said. And we're on a roll, a roll like never before. And it's time to get off your Jack Duff and start talking fast and hard to those who can change things back after these messages. Right, you know, because that was his his claim to fame back in the day. 
Yeah. And uh, and then what happens is he gets up to the podium and he starts, you know, they, it was called loudmouth actually, and it was just it's just nothing but hysterical le- yelling mostly. Yeah, it, sort of a, a, a Saturday Night Live type. Uh, yeah. Oh, worse, far far worse. worse. I mean, and so if. Uh, if he if he really thought at that time behaving that way, there's there's this one segment where he's he's absolutely degrading a young man uh, because he was o- overweight. This is Ron Paul, Ron Paul, uh-huh. yeah. candidate for president of the United States, uh, the the patriot that's going to eliminate the CIA, the IRS, and the Federal Reserve, and, and all <laughs> yeah, that stuff. The thing is, though, you see, see, I've been I've been telling people forever that politics is showbiz. Right. It, it's pure showbiz. Right. And politicians uh, are put out there, and I always tell the people, whatever your bent of mind is, your frame of mind, mm-hmm. I guarantee you they've got someone out there for you to follow. Sure. Uh, because they do surveys on the public, and they always give you a middleman who says all the right things which are current at the time. Sure, of course they do. Uh, they've got their pulse on the people. And and we know uh, that, you see, this is not real. That even the, the, the governments we have are not really real. They deal with small local issues, but they're not allowed to deal with the big ones at the top, because there is a parallel government, as Quigley said, and Margaret Thatcher said, and others have said, and every ex-president uh, and prime minister belongs to this uh, parallel government, and it's been here uh, since the beginning of the 1900s, according to Quigley. It was already 60 years old when, when he wrote his book, and he said uh, it'd, been in, 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 it'd been running then. That's how they have this international setup all up and running. Uh, that's beyond national politics. It's international. Sure. And if the only public could only realize this, that to stop following the people they give us to vote for, uh, the, the real people would have to come forward and show who they are for the first time. Exactly. And it's interesting because, you know, now we have a consortium of uh, mysterious fellows, people that own these free voting machine companies, and they literally have absconded with the the electoral system, and they actually manage it directly. They oversee it. So even if Ron Paul were elected, how could he prove that he didn't himself or or people on his side rig the election? So the whole thing is is suspect. So my proposal is this, and I'm I'm calling out for the, you know, musicians and poets and artists – to really um, maybe lead this, and I say just let's declare abstinence, and for three days, whenever these machines and this technology is used, mm-hmm. is to just shut down the economy and have a na- nationwide strike. And well, that'd be I, wonderful. I mean, if it strikes for all the things that matter, uh, you'd see a very smoothly functioning society, including the price of gas and everything else and food right. and so on. Uh, it becomes skyrocketing right down the way. Uh, rather up the way, if everyone stopped simply driving around for about a week, right. uh, you would see them scurry to get things down in price very quickly. I, I think people have to understand that when you, when you, if you use these voting machines, you're endorsing the machine. Yeah. And and to, to the, the act, I've, I've not, I've never voted myself like you. I, I I say tell people that I cast my vote back in 1985 when I joined the United States Marine Corps. But, yep. you know, I, I don't vote, and I think that people really need to think about using those uh, those machines. And if they have integrity, just say no to the voting machines until yep. they, they get rid of those things. Okay, thanks for calling. And we're back after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
Because you can handle the truth. symptom. 
and you look at all the UN uh, laws they put out and signed into the books every year, and then the global treaties they sign every year in every country, all joining us all together closer and closer uh, with the same multinational and international corporations at the top, then you see this agenda rolling forward regardless of the change of parties in a, in a parliament building or a congressional hall, doesn't matter. The same agenda steamrolls, and I've been watching this my whole life. I knew when I was a child my parents couldn't see it, I could see it. And that's the trouble we have because we're dealing with most people who still live in the belief of the world that they've swallowed as it has been presented to them. It's a con game. A con game. And to see a few people like Quigley have told us so. And they worked for the ones who really run the world. And Quigley was all for this global elite, by the way. He thought it was a swell idea. And that the elite and intelligentsia had the right to rule the world on behalf of the, the dull and ignorant beneath them. The profane, as they call them. Now we have uh, Alex in Canada. Are you still there, Alex? Yes. Hi, Alan. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I was watching, uh, speaking of politicians, uh, I was watching CNN yesterday afternoon, and uh, Mitt Romney was uh, giving a speech from uh, Acne, Iowa. Yeah. And it was the usual political speech, a lot of nonsense. But he did uh, say something that really uh, almost knocked me off my chair. Just a little one-liner. He said, uh, the world is going through enormous change. I think that you're going to see more change in the next 10 years than you've seen in the last 10 centuries. That's true. Yeah. But he didn't go into detail exactly what that change would be, just that, of course, he was the man to lead it. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of all, all these changes, um, if people, average person today is really unhappy and um, um, they you know, go through life with a lot of stress, but they still get to go, see, you know, get to, go to the movies, go for uh, dinner, uh, maybe take a little vacation. Yeah. If things start really, um, you know, this is the picture that we're painting with the future of uh, um, Things are, I, think, I can see things getting really bad. I mean, like, how are people going to hold, ha handle these changes uh, emotionally and psychologically? I don't think they're prepared for that. Uh, that's why they're predicting all these riots going to start and then build up to incredible-sized, massive riots, yeah. national riots. And I they're just... prepared to use neutron bombs on the public. <laughs> this is from the Department of Defense for oh. Britain and NATO, all NATO countries. People are going to break. This is... Yeah, they will break. And I've always said that the masses of the public who really, really live uh, in a conditioned matrix, they have never had a, an original thought of their own. They, they truly haven't. You've got to understand that. They've been mm -hmm. conditioned and super conditioned mm -hmm. and scientifically indoctrinated. Uh, they, they are gone. They always have been gone, technically. Yeah. Okay. They'll completely break. And you couldn't help them mm -hmm. because what you're telling them is beyond them. Mm -hmm. Even when it's happening, they will refuse to believe it. You know, they've done studies on people uh, that were taken off by the Nazis mm -hmm. and put in camps. Yes. And the Nazis even told people, it wasn't just Jews, it was, it was gypsies, there was Christians too, and, and, and Christian Democrats and so on, that were rounded up. And they were told that the people hated them, and they were taking them to safety. And the men generally had uh, a little inkling that something stunk here. Mm -hmm. and, but the women, again, the old strategy, always aim your propaganda at the female because she likes the home, she takes care of the home, she wants security. 
So you go over the head of the husband by promising security because she will come and then, as Hitler said, uh, must follow the children and therefore must follow the men. That's how it works. And they even packed their suitcases as they were going to hotels and so on, uh, still wanting to believe, wanting mm. desperately to believe that these people were telling them the truth. They were going to help them, set them up in this secure area where they'd have their own little area, their own townships, basically. And even when it was happening, when the unthinkable was happening to them and they went to the wall, I can guarantee you to the last minute, they still could not believe that was happening to them. And what at that time was called the most civilized scientific society in the world. Yeah. And that will happen even worse yeah. here. People yeah. just block out because they think it's impossible, this reality. It's too terrible to even they, conceive. They can't handle it at yeah. all. Uh, wow. Yeah. Alan, can you speak to about what's going on with the border now? Um, okay, 2010 rolls around. Uh, no. There's the, the Mexican border, the Canadian-U.S. border comes down. There's mm -hmm. a free flow of goods and people. But at the same time, you've talked about restriction of, of uh, um, uh, travel in the future. Yeah. So how does that play into, like, uh, the, the, the one idea of free flow of goods and labor and that we're going to be restricted in, uh, uh, in, in our city? Well, well, if you notice the free trade deal, if you go into the free trade deal, mm -hmm. it's not for all trade. It's only for authorized international corporations. Right, okay. Now, if you go into labor... <laughs> yeah, what, like, what's that? Uh, what, they're talking about, what they're talking about is authorized labor, ah. uh, where the international corporations will say, I need so many of this, so many of that. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones who are authorized. Um, they, they said that even the bureaucracies will be internationalized and bureaucrats will be a, a new type of nomad going from city to city across the planet. That was in Jack Satali's book, mm -hmm. uh, Millennium. Oh, Millennium, yeah. And he, he was a top bureaucrat, still is at the United Nations. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said the next boat people of the world will be leaving America looking for jobs. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's what it's about. It'll be a selective labor. It won't be for you to just cross a border uh, and, and get across because you want to go and live there. Mm -hmm. And even Europe uh, has had a temporary reprieve there where they've allowed us to think you can go anywhere in Europe and work, but you can't really. Mm -hmm. Now, you can go and live there if you can survive, if you can get a job. Mm -hmm. but, but that's going to stop as well. That's why uh, they've issued them their national ID cards. Because these are active chips, and these will give off alarms if you approach the border. That's the idea. Crazy. Yeah, um, uh, a girlfriend of mine uh, actually applied for a job as a security uh, for the border, yeah. border patrol security. Yeah. Apparently, there's a huge, um, uh, huge hiring blitz that's been going on for months now. I know. They're, they're uh -huh. getting prepared. And plus, that show you talked about the other day, uh, Border. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so what's going on at the border? You know, they're getting us ready for stuff that's going on in and around the border. You know, I know. Well, you got to have the right qualifications to get hired at the border if she's female. Yeah. <laughs> walk. The, the song is "Walk Like a Man, My Son." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the one. That, that's what they're hiring on purpose. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. Oh, I know. They've got to be yeah tough ones. The one, the, the really aggressive ones yeah. that, that have keys hanging off their belts. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's, that's what they're after. Yeah. Yeah, short haircut too. Very short, very very short. Elvis Elvis Presley haircut. <laughs> they like to prod and search your body cavities. Oh. That's the type they're looking for. Oh. I'm not joking. They've got them at the same airports. So that's priority hiring. Yeah, eh? Hmm. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Alan. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye. Now I've got Tim in North Carolina. Are you there, Tim? 
Oh, yeah. Hey, Alan. How you doing? Not so bad. I, I seen a good one the other morning. I just had to let you know about this one. Uh, I, I had me a couple of cups of, cups of coffee and a couple of cigarettes before I went to work, and I had C-SPAN 2 on, and they had this uh, thing at the New York Public Library, and George Soros was on that. So I said, well, let me check this out. And uh, the, the uh, premise was this guy had this book, uh, What Orwell Didn't Know. <clears throat> so they were getting into all this virtual reality and stuff. And then they started talking about the uh, media was using, and this is when my ears perked up, uh, they were using uh, 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 dialectic and propaganda, and uh, I couldn't believe they were talking about it on TV, you know. Yeah. And they saying this is not the reality, and they... They, to make a long story short, they, they finally got around to George Soros, and and this is when my eels really ran uh, went up because they they were saying they were talking about dialectic, but but listen what he says. He says we need to benefit from this. So immediately I, I'm saying he's talking about them, mm-hmm. and then he says we are the enlightened ones, and I couldn't believe that guy really said that. It was like a double whammy. He was, to, you know, on the dialectic yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, these characters can tell you uh, what they really mean, what they really think. It's the public that hear them generally hear it from a different angle, or, or we readjust it and say, well, I didn't really... I know he said it, but I don't believe him. Uh, they can say dastardly things, too, to you, to the public, and about the public, but we'll say, we don't... We like this guy, and he couldn't really mean what he said. James, David Suzuki said that in Canada, and he's loved in Canada. He's put up as the green man for the whole... The whole green movement and and the the news they're even having him on uh, um, weekly shows in the states shortly on greening housing uh, on programs on greening and uh, green environments for your home everything's green energy and all the rest of it and David Suzuki is a geneticist in, in fact but he does all these nature programs for world wildlife and he mm-hmm. this guy likes furry animals and fishes and all the rest of it. And he said on national television a few years ago, they'd have to basically uh, kill off uh, three-quarters of the population to save the world. And there wasn't a peep from the public because they couldn't believe this nice man that loves animals and they've grown up with uh, wanted to kill them. But they do tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. And I, and, and, and I, I'm starting to hear it, too. If you listen real good, when they use the word we, they're really talking about them. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and George Soros, I mean, there's another one put up there. It's a philanthropist, exactly what Weishaupt said and, and, and uh, Pike and others said. They create these big foundations with, under the guise of philanthropy, and they would fund the NGO groups, non-governmental organizations, which would then really be the power structure under a democracy. They would push government to get uh, demands made and so on. And that's the Rockefellers, that's all of these groups, and the Soros Foundation, and, and Gates as well. Uh, Gates was backed by the intelligence agencies to steal everyone else's patents and, and create his programs because they wanted one system for the world to monitor everyone. And he was just a front man. And now, of course, he's a big philanthropist that's got huge NGO groups that he's going to back financially to get what he wants done. Uh, can, can, now, can the average person in a democracy uh, get thousands of people behind them to back them on something? Followers, of course you can. So democracy is a complete farce in that case. And they've always said that democracy would always come to this where only certain party, you have to belong to a party to have any power, and the parties themselves would have an inner intelligentsia at the top that would go off in their own direction. And NGOs would work in hand and glove with 
the democracies, and that's what we have. The big NGOs are funded by the big institutions, the so-called philanthropists that Adam Weishaupt talked about. Yeah, and, 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 you know, one way I've learned to recognize them is when they get up and they start introducing each other with uh-huh. these big titles. Yes. And they, they try to make each other look like an expert, and they do it to each other, and then they try to suck you in this game. And yeah. it's just funny. I, I just It's unbelievable. It, it's, it's a jousting match. It's an entertainment for themselves. They enjoy this entertainment. It's the same in Britain. You know, they used to have these slanging matches across the House of Commons, in the Parliament building between the parties, and they sit on opposite sides, and, and they shout at each other, and they do this uh, sort of old boy ha 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 as they mock each other, and, and then they all go off to the same pubs and have a, a big a big uh, drink on each other. Is how they fooled the public. It's all a, it's all a show for the public. Yeah, and and that, and that part when he, it, and you know what got me about this thing, they were talking about the the real stuff, the dialectic, and, and the reality is not reality. Yeah. But then he slips in. We need to benefit from this. Oh, yeah. And, and, he, and he, we are the enlightened ones. You know, he actually says that. You know? Yeah, well, not. he believes it. I mean, even his name, you see, is, is a given name. A lot of these guys adopt names for their role in life. And, and Soros comes from the Greek, really, for a, for a, for a, for a serpent or a dragon. That's well, you know, yeah. this language thing, uh, I've been looking at it hard, and just about every word you look at it has, has got something in it. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, they, they love these games, and of course the public are in ignorance of them, but they use these games and codes and names all the time. And, and, and even, you, even Armand Hammer, I mean, Armand Hammer uh, got his name because his father changed the, the family name to Arm and Hammer. <laughs> and it was, to, it was to symbolize the Masonic arm coming down on, on the gavel, uh, and that's what the Soviet Union, of course, used too, and their symbol. But that's what. But yeah, they, they love these these little change in names. Their names become their function generally. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, Alan, I'll let you finish your thanks, buddy. Thanks for calling in. Back after these messages. Uh, it was kind of a, 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 I was in a wall, 
and it, it was it was uh and I, I don't know why I happened to look at that time, but it, it, was, it was Davy Crock, and it said something about him. And then uh, I, right after that, I went to a, to a library, and I sat down at the table, and there was a there was a card, uh, like a business card, and it uh, had like a little cartoon of a, a drum set with like eyes and stuff. And it said Davy Crockett, drummer. Yeah. And then the next day, I I went, uh, I was walking, and I was, and it's just. I was just kind of exploring and walking around the town, and I came across an uh, enormous Scottish Rite temple that had an open library. Mm-hmm. And I went inside, and I was, um, and it was open to the public. Yeah. And uh, I walked inside, and I, I was taking a look around. I was looking at the books and all the, you know, the creepy stuff they usually have inside those places. And Davy Crockett again, eh? <laughs> right, Davy Crockett. Yeah, a painting of Davy Crockett on the walls. Yeah. I, I walked into this. A big open forum, and they had all these, you know, all these famous people throughout history, and and I just, you know, I looked up, and there, there's Davy Crockett, and and I was wondering if if, uh, and there's also a couple other things I don't want to go too much into it. That was it was just um, it's very very odd, and um, yeah. but you do go through synchronicities. This is the thing. If you if you start. Uh, you see, all ancient religions knew this. I mean, even even Buddhism and all the rest of them know that certain things will happen when a person starts waking up. And uh, one stage in the old Buddhism, I'm talking about the old Buddhism, was that these odd synchronicities would start showing up. And the trick was not to be distracted by them, uh, but, but, but to almost ignore them and go to the next step, step which would come. And this is a process of uh, actually waking up. Um, it, it, it's an odd, odd phenomena that often seems unrelated to waking up, but uh, but it seems somehow connected. But you, you will find these things will happen. Um, there are other things in the world apart from just the purely physical, as I say, uh, and not to go not to go off into the new age phenomenon, which is totally controlled and manipulated. But there are certain things which do happen with the power of the mind, and uh, certain things come your way as well. The right people often come your way. Uh, if you're looking for them and you're sincere, perhaps that's the real message, you're sincere about something. But all these guys, sure enough, were Masons, and uh, Travis and all the rest of them were all Freemasons. That's always been the story of the U.S. And we're back with more next week. And uh, from myself, Hamish and myself, it's good night from up in Ontario. And may your God, all your gods, go with you.